Have you ever asked, you know, one of the things that I, I'm, I, I am, I've said this to you before, I'm obsessed with what it means to be human. I mean, I, I realize that's not normal. Um, in, in graduate school, I learned a term that I run into all the time. It's kind of an insulting term, but it kind of fits. The term that I learned is called naive realism. Think about that. Naive realism. Now, what is naive realism? Naive realism is when you think that the way you interpret reality is the way things are. It's naive because when you look at life and your priorities and the way you think, you think, well, this is why, if somebody asks you, why are you thinking that way? People would say, well, it's normal. It's interesting because even the fathers of our Constitution, as intelligent men as they were, to a large degree, were falling into also naive realism. Now, you might say, what do you mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. In the Declaration of Independence, notice what it says, the beginning of it. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now just take that. That has naive realism written all over it. It has, na it has naive realism written all over it. Why do I say that? Remember what the word naive means. Naive means believing something a little bit gullibly without questioning it. It's just normal, isn't it? We hold these truths to be self-evident. There's your naivete. Why? Because you see, the fathers of this country as wonderful, and, and I do respect them a lot, out of all, uh, all, out of all the, the, the ways of government that there are and that have been invented in this world, all of them are bad. Democracy and republic is the least bad of all of them. So I admire that. But why are they naive? Because we hold these truths to be self-evident, and the truths that follow are not self-evident. They're not. And they naively believe that they were.
For example, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Like what? That all men are created equal. No. Have you studied history any? Before, when people don't have the Christian faith, nobody believes that people are created equal. Even today. Go to India, for example, and ask the question, are all men created equal? No. They have what's called the caste system. There are some people that are created in the image of some higher gods than others. Some men and women are born slaves, or born close to slaves. And that's because you weren't created equal. Go to any country that has Islam. Islam doesn't believe that all men are created equal. If you're not a Muslim, you are allowed to live only if you pay, pay the jihad. I think that's how you pronounce it. I can't remember it. But anyway, it's a tax. A tax that is placed upon you as a non-Muslim for you to live in Muslim land. And if you don't pay it, you either have to leave, convert, or be killed. All men are created equal. Take a little trip in your time machine. Go to ancient Rome and stand in front of a Roman emperor and say to the Roman emperor, my rights have been violated. I have been victimized. That emperor would look at you and say, oh, really? Oh, really? What rights? You know all the rights I have by the fact that God created us equal. Where did you get that? that the gods created you equal. You're a slave, you're nothing, you're, you're mine. Victim? Yes, maybe you're a victim, and we like it. We like it. As a matter of fact, we have a whole circus built so that we can watch you be victimized. We like it that way. And you can go on and on. I can give you hundreds, literally hundreds, of examples. Now, why do I call that naive? Well, it's because it is. It presumes something that isn't true. Now, why am I talking like that? I'm talking like that because we are the inheritors of that naivete. We think that the way we live is normal. I had a had a discussion with a young lady whose defense for not sending her children to religious education was that, well, all the things that we consider needing to be Christian are actually hardwired into humanity. I had to disabuse her of that naive understanding that this, what we find is normal. It's not normal. Everything that you are living in, all the things that you consider normal, come 
because you have been created and you are living and you are formed in a Christian environment. And what's happening slowly, folks, is that as society is moving away from its Christian roots, the fruit of that tree, which is our civilization, is slowly starting to rot. You see, our civilization wants the fruit, but we don't want the root. And so we try to have the fruits as if we could have the fruits, freedom, equality, you know, uh, dignity, human dignity, all kinds of stuff like that. We want those fruits, but we don't realize that without their religious roots, they won't exist very long. You know, every time I get, I, I have to laugh when people <clears throat> discuss with me about how religion is so evil that it's brought up, the reason it's brought about so many wars and, and stuff like that. I, I just, I, I try to be civil. But, folks, the deadliest century in all of human history is the 20th century. And if you look at the 20th century, the deadliest civilizations were the civilizations and governance that rejected their Christian roots. All the way from, and, and they were all logical. They were all logical. Heck, you know, Hitler was extremely logical. Think about it. If there is no God, okay, that's, there's no God. So, don't we want the best for humanity? Isn't that a good intention? Yes, we do. So, if we're only animals, would you let defective animals reproduce? Don't you want the herd to prosper? And if you want the herd to prosper, you can't allow defective animals to reproduce. What do they do? Well, they kill horses, and they kill dogs, and they kill animals that are not fit for reproduction. There you find socialism and Nazism. You find all kinds of different things like that. And why am I talking like that? Because the human being naively thinks that they can shepherd themselves. This is where all this is going. We think, and this is one of the most important parts of, of Catholic theology, we think that original sin is just this little blot that Adam and Eve, and it's done away with at baptism. God forgives it at baptism, but the effects of original sin are still very, very much with us. When baptism takes away sin, it does not take away the underlying sickness. All it does, that baptism does, is it forgives us. But that doesn't mean, you know, for example, if I punch you in the face and I break your jaw, 
I can ask for your forgiveness, and hopefully you would forgive me. You still have a broken jaw. I don't care how many times you forgive me and how sorry I am. You still have a broken jaw. That's what's going on with us now. If you look at society, what's going on, what you're seeing is the slow implications of American Republic and Western civilization slowly cutting itself off from its roots. And it thinks, naively, that this realism will stay because it's normal. It will not. Most of us don't realize that we are living slowly and entering more and more into what I would call the wilderness of life. It still looks somewhat familiar. You still see things around your family that are familiar. And thanks be to God, we live in Texas. Because in th Texas is not like in California or in, in, in Washington State or in many other places. The woke virus is eating away at the roots, at the Christian roots of Western civilization. You may not want it to, but it is. And slowly what's happening is that we are walking around and saying where we're going with our lives without a map. We no longer have a map because the map is Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way is the map that leads you to the truth where ultimately life can be found. Once you reject the map, you're in deep trouble. And at first it seems like, I, I know my way around here, but you're going to get deeper and deeper into places that without a shepherd, you can't go on. Read that up there. We walk so mapless today. Our spiritual geography has come adrift. And the compass swings in aimless circles. It is now every man his own priest, it is every man his own surveyor in the wilderness of life. Why am I talking like, why is this, this is the center. You know, I've, I've maintained, and you've heard me a million times, that unless you realize you're in need of rescue, when somebody says, I'm here to save you, it means nothing. We are walking mapless today. More, well, you're a church. Because you're a church, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. But I hopefully, in my preaching to the choir, I'm trying to help you, to motivate you to understand that everything around you 
is becoming disconnected from the map. Our kids are being disconnected in schools. Our public life is being poisoned by all kinds of weird ideologies. And you're seeing it more and more. It's kind of like, imagine like we are the right hand and we're seeing an infection in the big toe. And we're saying, yeah, my right hand's fine. I'm okay with that. You better be careful because that infection in your big toe is traveling up the body. Now, why this today? Because without a shepherd, we're sunk. If we are disconnected from the shepherd, and you can say, well, other people can be disconnected, but I'm connected. Problem is, folks, you don't live in a little bubble by yourself. You don't live there. You live, we all live as in an aquarium. You can say, well, my part of the aquarium is okay, and their part of the aquarium is not. But we're all in the same aquarium. There's no way to live alone. And without the shepherd pointing the way, we don't know where we're going, and we are facing very bad times. So, remember the sh today. I, I just I was hoping, Adam. I was hoping that when you were, I was tell I was thinking, oh, I should have told Adam to play "Shepherd Me, O God," and when you started playing it, think about that. Think about that. I, I love that, because especially today is Good Shepherd Sunday. Listen to just the, 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 the chorus. Shepherd me, O God. Now, we're going to talk about the wilderness. Where is the wilderness that our own surveyor in the wilderness of life? The wilderness is inside of you. Shepherd me, O God, beyond my wants, beyond my fears, from death into life. What's the song saying? That the wilderness is inside of you. The wilderness is that your wants are distorted. You are wanting wrong. The wilderness is actually the perversion of your wants, which you think is normal. Isn't it normal? I heard it the other day in a discussion. But Father, I want to be filthy rich, but I also want to be holy. Uh, you don't, yes, you can be rich, but you have to manage. The person had no idea. Religion was over here, and my life was over here. And I can be filthy rich and still go to church. That's not, that's not being a disciple. What, what the heck are you talking about? I'm not saying you can't be rich, but I'm saying it's a responsibility. It's a responsibility. It's not something you're just meant for you. 
If you're rich, you're a steward. It does not belong to you. It belongs to God. You're entrusted with managing it. That's the wilderness. It's inside of you. And what's the, the fears? It's your lack of courage. The lack of courage to live as a disciple because you want things to be normal. It's the very desire for normalcy that is the wilderness, except that we don't recognize it because we think it's normal. And so, folks, today in the gospel, it's a challenge. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you're asking Jesus to disturb you. Shepherd me, O oh God, beyond what I want, beyond my lack of courage, from death into life. Because the way that you think is normal leads to death. And it's not life. Now, I'm not saying everything is bad. I'm just saying that thinking this is normal and that our way of life should not be challenged by our faith in Christ, that's bad. That's bad. We have to be able to keep what, the best that we have, but also have the courage to face the fact that we have a lot of things that need changing and that we have to stand up to evil and ideologies that are willing to destroy us when we see them and not saying, well, they're not after me. I'm in my own little corner of, my, of, my, of, of the pond. Shepherd me, O God, beyond my wants, beyond my fears, from death into life. When I was singing that and I really figured out what it meant, it got me a little scared because I think I understood that I was asking God to shove me around and get me out of my complacency. Just think about it. I'm not saying this is bad, what we have here. I'm just saying, don't make it into an idol.